Comments about how the Wisconsin Badgers were robbed of a chance at winning the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship are purely for entertainment purposes only. I had it, Marcus. I had it in my hand. Again, we see there is nothing you can possess which I cannot take away. <laughs> oh, that's such a strong opening. That was a dead-on <laughs> Mike Krzyzewski impersonation. <laughs> Sounds just like him. You don't see Mike Krzyzewski and Belloc in the same room. Uh-huh. Just saying. Think <laughs> about it. Think about it. Wasn't that Jamie Kennedy singing our opening theme song? Uh, no, it was not. Oh, it was Tony was it? Sam. That's Tony Sam and Ron Babcock. And Ron Babcock. Yes. Ah, Ron Designed Babcock. to confuse a Jamie Kennedy if one is around. <laughs> yes. As we opened the show a couple weeks ago with him. And <laughs> it confuses me, too, so I can get Jamie's back. Uh, welcome to the Movie Showcast, everybody. Part of the vast and sprawling Movie Guys empire. Now in our sixth season. Whoa! It's when not did that the years, happen? honey. It's the mileage. Nice. That's how much you mean to me. Now, we've reached ground zero for all things movies and comedy. We're bringing the two together right here on our show every week with jokes, rants, sketches, characters, bits, special guests, and more as we broadcast from the Admirals Club in the heart of Burbank Airport's flyover zone. They don't stop making movies, so we don't stop making comedy shows about movies, which means you can get a new show every week on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. I don't know how you're listening, but it's also on Vimeo, PulpEpic.com, YouTube. You could be everywhere. Better question is, how are you not listening? Exactly. And the themovieguys.net, absolutely free. And we encourage you to subscribe, especially at iTunes, share and like posts, do all that stuff. And if you do, still... How much would that be, Paul? No charge. Wow. <laughs> We're also on WBAD.net Fridays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Basically, just search the movie guys on Yahoo, Bing, or Google. 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 And we come right up. <laughs> I'm your host for the hardest working podcast on the airwaves, Paul Preston, here with Adam Witt. Your fire is dying. <laughs> Bart Caius. Bad dates. And Karen Volpe. In olden days, a glimpse of stocking was looked uh-huh. on as something shocking. Now, heaven. We'll be joined later in the show <laughs> by an actor who played Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Wow. Yes. The, the yes. Adi- He's the, recovered already? The, the adaptation. Oh. For that matter. Yeah! Come on! <laughs> Have you it. seen this thing? Have you seen this guy fly a plane? But he holds the record for playing Indiana Jones for the longest period of time, right? That's so he true. wins. <laughs> Probably. For, for like yeah. 32 years, he played Indiana yeah. Jones. Still, yeah, yeah wow. still... Yeah, Ford's for, done after 08. Yeah. He boyhood. Couldn't, he couldn't do more than two hours at a time. Boyhood, <laughs> boyhood with the 12 years is such a piker compared to this, right? Ah, <laughs> good point. Yeah. Pussies. Um, oh, he also played Frank Marshall, I guess, as he was the producer of the greatest fan film ever made. Chris Strompolis. Strompolis. Yeah. As I try my best Greek. There we go. That's I like my strompolis with some cream sauce. I Absolutely. like a little red sauce. Red sauce and strompolis? <laughs> uh, strompolis be, with meat? He'll be here later oh, in the, the show. Now, first, we will do what we do best, preparing you for the weekend's new movies. It's yes. our patented movie reviews, or previews, I should say. We talk reviews every once in a mm-hmm. while, but who wants to see everything? No. <laughs> but we will, we will preview everything. And again, there's only one major release, as everyone is expecting Furious 7 to repeat atop the box office, so we're expecting The Longest Ride. Now relax, this is a Nicholas Sparks movie. The title is as risque as the movie's going to get. I met a girl. You meet girls all the time. No, not like this. This one's different. 
That singer sounds like she's really into their relationship. Yeah, here's my thing. She sounds like Vin Diesel talks. Yes. Did you see? She's singing like Vin Diesel. <laughs> it's a real weird trailer because the first half of it is this, this kind of like dark, yeah. melodic. Like who's going to die? Yeah, and they're being they're flirting and being sexy yeah. and cute, but it's yeah, really foreboding. shows up. Someone's like, going to get killed. Yeah. <laughs> but no one does, yeah, right? Yeah, and then Alan Alda shows up. I'm like, oh, it can't be too serious. Well, and also then there's Hawkeye like a car crash. Up. Yeah, Hawkeye shows up. And then, then there's like a car crash and you're like, oh, well, here's where somebody gets killed. So, no, no, nope. just another <laughs> thing to cut to. Kind of like boyhood. Back. Nothing really happens. The movie's, you expect sure, it to. the movie's sure it's not going to go well for our heroes. <laughs> but who knows? Counter-programming. Well, tune in to find out. But before we talk about that, it's been a while since we talked movie news, and movie Ooh. news never goes on vacation. No, it's always happening. So we should probably fire up another edition of The Latest. Okay, so what is shaking and baking in Hollywood? Let's roundtable it. First up, it has been reported that there will be no post-credit sequence in The Avengers Age of Ultron. Ridiculous. These superhero movies have become famous for uh, keeping fans through yeah. the... Uh, End credits, teasing what's coming up in the franchise. But without a post-credit sequence in Ultron, what did they cut? What footage from the Marvel Universe will we not be privy to? Karen? Well, Paul, it's a shame we won't get to see that scene of the Avengers eating chalupas while pointing and laughing at Batman versus Superman's release date. Taco Bell tie-in. Interesting. <laughs> Adam? I think it was supposed to be a clip of a bound and gagged Andrew Garfield being tossed out of a Sony Picture Entertainment's front gate. Not yeah. surprising. Yeah. Bart? Actually, Paul, they were going to include a suspenseful negotiation scene between Marvel Studios' financial department and Robert Downey Jr.'s agent. Ooh. Thrilling. Oh, yeah. I pictured a 30 second clip of Marvel head Kevin Feige begging everyone to see Ant-Man. <laughs> Discuss. I really like those moments. It's a bummer they're not going to do that. And why announce it? Yeah. That's how big the Marvel is. I mean, that's what's crazy. Yeah. It's news. Like, we're not going to have a scene after the credits. Like, I mean, I guess if, like, Ferris Bueller 2 didn't, they said they weren't going to do that, too. That'd be, like, super famous because it's known Do you think too. maybe they'll then do a scene after the credits and just everybody will be like, oh, man, they got us. We're I gonna, was wondering that. Is right? there going to be a sneak scene? Maybe it's a bait maybe, and yeah, switch bait switch. And switch. Maybe. Yeah. No, bait and bait. Bait and bait. I, <laughs> well, I what's, have, the, what's the line from? Uh, I've, I, had a, I had a double date with bait and switch. Bait and switch. I, I thought I was going to have bait. Thought uh, I was, was kind of hoping to get with bait. <laughs> <laughs> what's that from? I hear you. It reminds Dr. me of Horrible. the Muppet movie. I always like to wait because don't the Muppets do that? They have a little something after. Yeah. I don't know. I oh. think it's. I'm shocked that they're not going to promote Ant Man though, for real. Because yeah, Ant Man needs a little push. He's not. Well, it's always he's just not. You know. A, Iron Man, he doesn't have a huge following, so maybe you give him a little nudge. Yeah, and the fun thing is, it's and it's not usually for promotion, especially, you know, like Iron Man wasn't like, oh, we're definitely going to make Avengers, so we're going to promote. No, they were like, oh, it wouldn't be funny if like we really got, you know, if we got uh, Nick Fury, if we got Sam Jackson to come in and just say that. I mean, this movie could still bomb, but how fun, because at that point, obviously, they didn't know Iron Man was going to be successful. It had this risky actor, Robert Downey Jr. in it that <gasps> nobody thought should be in movies at that time. Oh, to begin the talk about the, the risks that pay off for Marvel, it's oh. crazy, which is why the director of The Breakup will kill Ant-Man and it'll be a huge success. <laughs> what do the you, director of The Breakup. What do you think that the little um, interstitial would have been, the little video? 
We just uh, did that well, part, Karen. It, it could I be, know, well, but I but mean, in real life. But seriously. <laughs> You're such a dummy. But in real life. Off script, Bart. Off oh, script, sorry, Bart. Yeah. Come on. This is called improv. non And freeze. No, but in real life. Like, what would it be? Yeah. Would it be Ant-Man? See, would it be Fury? What would, would it be? I think it would be Ant-Man. If it were Ant-Man, it would be them explaining that there is such a thing as Ant-Man and what it is, and then they'd have to fill so me in. It would be a video of someone explaining <laughs> to me what Ant-Man is. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. so I've never heard of this guy. Hi, I'm Kevin Feige. You may have Hello. heard Marvel talk about a character named the, the Pym family. But here's See, the, the, I need all this. Funny, I think I do need that. But here's the other interesting thing about their post-credit sequences or scenes. It's like at the end of event. I mean, first of all, every Marvel movie so far has ended with everyone leaving, explaining to their friends who Thanos was, what the hammer was. Like that yeah. that that post discussion is constantly like. Yeah. A, a, a couple comic book fans, and then all their friends are going, okay, well, Thanos was this guy. Quicksilver because, and, and Scarlet Witch? Yeah, right? Quicksilver yeah. and Scarlet Witch. I mean, you know, that's even a pretty forced one. It's like, come on, just give me a forced one. Well, <laughs> here's something <laughs> interesting something from someone like me who loves Iron Man because of Robert Downey Jr. and is yeah. very new to this universe but appreciates it. I got to tell you, it's always interesting when the movie gets over and we wait and then... Nick Fury with an N, right? Yeah. He'll yeah. show up and everybody goes ape shit. Yeah. When you're a virgin, you're like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, why is that guy there? Oh. Well, I'm more like, why is everybody psyched? <laughs> you know? And I feel bad because no other movies get that. Like, right. I, like, like it's that's a real treat. Oh, DC will be doing that. Well, of course. Yeah, they're doing it. it. Obviously, they've skipped the entire process of building a universe and they're just going right <laughs> to Justice League because Me Too. Yeah. That movie should just be called Me Too. <laughs> yeah. Look at us. Me Too. With the two. With the two. <laughs> unless Bad the whole. Bending. And last, last thought, If the whole movie doesn't do this, they're, you know, I thought they'd at least tease Captain America Civil War. But. Right? I or just the, have, you know, hey, Tony Stark, Peter Parker, or hey, or just a daily bugle just landing on a desk. You're like, oh, I don't know, anything. <laughs> Parker. Paul, da, is, da, da, da. <laughs> is that a thing? Or are Parker. you making that up? I'm telling the actual facts about the Marvel Universe. No, the uh, Captain America Civil thing. Civil War, yeah. Shut up. Yeah. You I won't like it because I oh, think yes. in the comics, Captain America and Iron Man no like each other. Oh, no, hold on a second, though. Oh, that's okay. I don't like Captain America. I got Iron Man's back. Okay. So, We've already okay. taken that's, sides. I'm fine. Let's do it. Let's do yeah. this thing and watch him kill him. I'm fine. I mean, there's so many things that they just I don't announced. know if it'll come to that. He back. will kill him and we will be done with all these other people wasting my time. I need to see just Iron Man. So if he could just kill everybody. But the Hulk, I do like the Hulk. Marvel has two TV shows and a slate through 26. 20, what did they release it through? 2026 or something that their slate of everything through Black Panther. Tease something. Uh, anything. But we're not going to get it. <laughs> Let's get on to story number two. All right. In the wake of Going Clear, the HBO documentary that was none mm. too pleasant in its depiction of Scientology, John Travolta has spoken out in defense of the religion founded by science fiction writer L. Ron Hubbard, claiming the film was the work of people who were disgruntled with their experiences. Thoughts, Karen? I hear Travolta will release his own documentary featuring nothing but gruntled members. Oh. Sounds dirty. Adam? Sure. It should be noted that Travolta's toupee could not be reached for comment. But he did have on his press conference air. Oh, that's true. <laughs> uh, Travolta actually went on to say that despite the damaging testimony offered in the film, he continues to have complete faith in Ron Mel Buttered. That sounds about right. All this and still no defense offered up for Battlefield Earth. Discuss. None. <laughs> Lots of defending. Going clear, I thought you meant the movie about the invisible woman. But anyway, that's a go, good continue. I do want to see Tease this. Tease that. It was a, I thought it was a proactive commercial. You guys are all dumb. <laughs> Going clear. Yeah. Um, 
I do want to see this. I have it on my list of movies to TV shows to see. I want to see that. I have no idea how they're oh, going yeah. to. I love stuff like that. Either respond, rebound, exist in the light of this. I, I don't know how any of them can show their face and go. We're not completely caught. Yeah. Did got you us. see it? No, but I do want to see it. I don't. It was on HBO, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't have that pay TV. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think HBO Go. I think you can buy that now as a standalone. I you think it's coming oh, okay. up. Yeah. Yeah. Which HBO is HBO Now. I think they call it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the best programming? Yeah. I don't have HBO. I have HBO Go because a friend has knows someone who has it. Yeah, you know, well, that's that everybody has it. Yeah, you get that little cable. And HBO says they don't care either. Yeah, They're there's like, like whatever. 40 or 50 parents somewhere yeah. who are paying for it. <laughs> Nobody else is. Uh, this just in from Steve Schultz, uh, writer and contributor to the movie guys. Okay. He just texted me something from The Hollywood Reporter. has nothing to do with Clear and all that, but it's about oh, okay. Ike Barinholtz. What? Yeah. Well, so, we are doing the latest, so this is very apropos. Oh, good. Game, well, so. movie guys bump. The latest is happening now. He's being added to something squad, but it's taking forever. Oh, Suicide no, no, no. Squad. Suicide squad. We know about this. Look oh, how good. insider I am. Yes. Yes, yes. tell us. Yes. I had a I had a text conversation with Mr. Baron Holtz the other day. I'm proud, uh, proud to say he still returns my texts. He has been <laughs> added to the call the call for Suicide yep. Squad Warner Brothers mm-hmm. All-Star superhero action mm-hmm. movie. Well, no wonder he texted you. Mm-hmm. You are the first person that needs to know that information. Uh, and this is the thing I texted him about. So, oh, well, this is ridiculous. Mr. Show is is coming back. The very first, and I, and, I, and, that, and that's how I kind of got to know Ike because we were both Mr. Show fans. So on Friday nights, go over to his place and watch Mr. Show. The very first screen cap sent out picture is John, his brother. It's it's oh, Bob Odenkirk, David cool. Cross, and John Barinholtz. And I was like, I texted Ike. And I'm like, holy shit, your brother is like on every screen cap of this thing. And then he writes back and he goes, you're a superhero fan, right? And I'm like, ah. yes, exclamation point, 12. And he goes, yeah, I just had a fight with uh, Captain Boomerang. That's like, great. That's very so exciting. exciting. The, I don't know, uh, I don't the, know who he plays. but Well, I meant to show you this, and I will after the show. The first cast photo has come out oh, yes. uh, from a table read. And he was <gasps> in there with... Uh, oh. Will Smith and uh, wow, everybody. so that fucking guy, man, that's pretty good. Yeah. Love it, <laughs> friend of the show. We love him, friend of the awesome. show. Keep returning my texts like he listens. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait a minute, you know we've gone what? off topic here because I'm I do sorry. want to find out. Uh, you know what, Bart? This reminds me. We should fire up another segment of. Cruise news because oh, all yeah. the Scientology talk going uh, clear. You know, yeah, uh, with this documentary coming out, I mean, how do you think this will affect Tom Cruise? Quite literally, everyone was looking at me. Karen and Adam both leaned in as, yeah, "Explain yourself now. Yeah. Tell yeah. us." Uh, I think one of two things is going to happen. It's tough. Um, I think the more likely thing that's going to happen is that none of this will stick to Tom. He's he'll, very he'll, glossy. He'll just yeah. somehow somehow rise above it, walk through it, and still go on being Scientology guy. MI5, number one, easy. Yeah, he's yeah. every a, everyone forgives a winner. So he'll just, he'll, they'll, they'll say, Mr. Cruz, what about, uh, you know, going clear? And he'll say, $13 billion this weekend, MI5. Thank you very much, and everyone will forget. Yeah. The other thing that might happen that I'm holding out yeah. hope for is that he, he comes clean. That he comes out and he goes, you know what, guys? You're right. I didn't realize this was all going on. They told me that it was just about, you know, team building. We did a couple of trust exercises. <laughs> we I built a, a pyramid <laughs> and climbed to, over a wall. You know, I went to a couple weekend retreats. I wrote him a check every once in a while. I had no idea. I closed my eyes, fell back where Jen Elfman caught me. I thought we were <laughs> exactly. doing a thing. That's all I thought it was. My apologies. And then he... Uh, well, that's my dream. That's my dream. But I think the first one's going to be the thing to that have. happens. It's just not going to stick to Tom. Yeah. And we'll, and we'll be happy. No. To Lots of people will get in trouble, and no one will ever mention his name. Exactly. Yeah. They're already keeping people away from him right now. I mean, I think we even act like 
you know, he's protected because he's <clears throat> super famous, but John Travolta is not as famous anymore. So we can all hate him for being a Scientologist, <laughs> but like Tom Cruise, I don't pay that much attention to it. Like every every instance in that movie about Tom Cruise, I'm just like, I don't give a shit. It's kind of like when a pretty girl farts. No one cares right? if a pretty girl it's farts. But if a fat girl farts, it's, we, it's just dude. like, what's her I mean, problem? Yeah, it's like Mel Gibson. Clearly, there's no amount of shit he can do that can make me disrespect him because I just love Mel Gibson. I'm sorry. I'm, just, I'm sorry. Right, so I'm with you on that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I will not start a Holocaust myself. I will not be. I will not do any crazy shit that he advocates. But for the love of God, put him in another movie. I. No. Let him direct Iron Man 4 as Robert Downey Jr. All right, our final, final story involves one of our favorite filmmakers, but it's not good news. Oh. David Lynch has walked away from the reboot of his classic TV show, oh, Twin Peaks. Bullshit. He claims he couldn't get the support and budget he needed to do it right, so he walked away. Maybe Thoughts? it's a posturing. Bart? Well, Paul, he walked away, and you can uh, rest assured it was the most interesting and esoteric walking away <laughs> from something you've ever seen. Indeed. Karen? Somewhere Michael Antkeen is returning his recently purchased Porsche. Ouch. Adam? This statement was issued by David Lynch and released by his agent. Uh, let's go ahead and let, get a listen here. That is on point. Discuss. <laughs> that gum. That's the first I've heard of that. So why That's did he so walk disappointing. away? Uh, I think it's posturing. He's going to get it his way. Oh, oh, as he sure as totally Deadpool was suddenly greenlit, as soon as everyone was like, that trailer you released was awesome. Like everybody, everybody in the cast put out a uh, a video today that said. Twin Peaks without David Lynch is like, and then they all had something funny to say about it. That's getting tons of traction. I mean, it's the internet is going to make this right. I <laughs> think that it's a, a way for him to make sure he gets what he needs, and I hope it works. I so it it's was showtime, it. I think, and I think they've already said, we don't want this to go forward without Lynch and Frost. But why did he walk away? The budget, I it's think. Right so they're not giving the him the script. tools. They I mean, don't have Netflix <laughs> money. They're just showtime. It, it says right here on the script. <laughs> I'm just saying, oh. you gave me that shit earlier. Does it? It's right here on the script. Yeah, For he money? says right here. Uh, yeah. They walked away because he needed, he didn't have the support and budget. He needed to do it right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't have my Grandpa Kai as And now let's do, let's discuss something with our David Lynch voices. It's the this one impersonation is, I know how to do. Oh. He's got the greatest voice. Maybe David Lynch time. will go back to doing this. Good morning. It's March 12, 2009, and it's a Thursday. Here in L.A., mostly blue skies, some white clouds floating by, muted golden sunshine, very still, 52 degrees Fahrenheit, 11 Celsius. And that's the weather. He just did the weather, right, on his website or something? He used to do it every day, I think. It's him sitting in, we assume it's his home, an odd, obviously, or not surprisingly, a very oddly decorated room. Yeah, if it's not his house, it's that weird little uh, Huntman's Lodge or whatever over in the valley. There's a phone on the (laughs) wall, but it's in a box. (laughs) But doesn't he, it's on his porch. He leans back and and describes the weather. (laughs) He's like, and now the weather. And he leans back and he goes, it's. He's somewhere in Malibu, you know it. Enough people give the Celsius out. I appreciate. That. Yeah, that's yeah. Do you know what? Do you can if I gave you a Celsius, would you know what temperature that is? Yeah, lay it on me. Uh, let's see, uh, uh, four twenty-two. How okay. did you know that? I just made it up. Wait, Shut up. Up. Me that the zero was thirty-two. All right, enough of this. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. That's the latest. Well, here, Karen. Um, actually, uh, let's play a real quick game of. 
finished. I'm playing a game. I'm trying to get my phone yeah, to work. Um, what? I, I actually have an encyclopedic um, knowledge of songs in my head that uh-huh. I that I've subscribed to jukebox number. So just pick a ju- jukebox number. Fifteen. Uh, that is Elvis Presley, uh-huh. and uh, the song is Jailhouse Rock. Wow, that was so impressive. <laughs> right. Sixteen. Flip side. Oh, uh, that is <laughs> that is actually um, Smoke on the Water. It's not the uh, Elvis Presley one. Oh, 14 must have been. You're yes. incorrect. It is Smokey Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get on to our first and only film this week. From the producers of The Fault in Our Stars comes a story of love and heartbreak amongst two young lovers. Oh. Boy, those producers sure have a thing, don't they? <laughs> it's The Longest Ride, Bart. The Long Riders. Nicholas Sparks has a new movie coming out. It's called The Longest Ride. And unless you have a vagina, this is going to be the longest two hours of your life. (laughs) A former bull riding champion falls in love with college student Sophia, but conflicting life paths and ideals threaten to tear them apart. Yes, of course, because that's what happens to couples who have conflicting life paths and ideals. They break up. (laughs) But one day they meet an old man, Alan Alda, who teaches them that just because two people have completely different wants, needs, desires, and worldviews doesn't mean they shouldn't be together. Especially if they're really good looking. <laughs> Alan Alda plays a veteran Sophia saves from a car wreck. He fills her with stories from the war and flashback. Usually Nicholas Sparks movies tell the story of a young, sexy couple who fall in love and then they can't stay together for some dumb reason or another. Well, this time he ups the ante and the longest ride is about two young, sexy couples falling in <laughs> love and not being able to stay together for some stupid reason. Man, I'm excited to have you tell me how this is. <laughs> if this doesn't look like your type of movie, all nine seasons of Alan Alda's hilarious and heartfelt wartime antics are available right now on Netflix. <laughs> Britt Robertson plays Sophia, and Scott Eastwood stars as Guy Masculino, <laughs> who not only wears a cowboy hat, but rides bulls and who and knows sunsets enough to judge the perfect walk away down a country path while carrying a saddle. Actually, Eastwood plays Luke, a rodeo worker who wants to get back into bull riding because nothing turns a woman on faster than a man who lasts only eight seconds. (laughs) See you! That's a good one, guys. (laughs) Thank you, David Lee. (laughs) As dangerous a career as bull riding is, Luke claims he's stuck with it. Yet, that's bullshit. Or, as they say in the bull riding business, that's bullshit. (laughs) Let's play another clip. Turn the way. Throw me the idol. No time to argue. Throw me the eye. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, can you tell I'm more excited to talk about Raiders of the Lost Ark? Well, let's. Here's the actual clip. Luke, you need to stop. For next time, you're more likely to pick him up at the morgue. This is my life. It's all I know. I can't be with someone if every time they walk out the door, I don't know if I'm going to see them again. So she can't be with a firefighter, I'm your goddamn a policeman, <laughs> a guy who drives a car, someone who walks near buses. Well, apparently, Karen, she falls in love yes. with a bull rider at a bull riding competition, Uh and then decides she can't be with the man who rides bulls for a living because it's too dangerous. Well, it looks like Nicholas Sparks really does have his finger on the pulse of what it means to be a woman. (laughs) This is another movie based on another book by Nicholas Sparks, who some have called a master storyteller. I should hope so, because he's been telling the same story for the past 10 years. I would hope he's a master at it by now. (laughs) See you! Paul, I do have one question. Is there a dark secret that threatens their love? It's a Nicholas Sparks movie, isn't it? Will he trade in 30 seconds on her for eight more seconds on the bull? We'll see. Or someone will. There you go. Again, we don't have to see every... Very well described, guys. Thank you, David Lynch. What, what is that uh, movie about the guy with AIDS, uh, Matthew McConaughey? 
Dallas That's Buyers Dallas Club. Dallas Buyers Club. All right, so she should be more worried about having sex in a bullfighting or uh, a rodeo ring with that guy. Remember, yeah. there was all sorts of crazy sex scenes where he had his that AIDS. That was the 80s. Oh, all People right. were humping bulls back I, then. <laughs> no, he didn't have sex with them. Oh, he didn't? I watched a different movie. Uh, then. Yeah. I turned it on halfway. He could have. I do think that when I watched the preview for this, I immediately remember Deborah Winger riding a bull. And that nice. was friggin' hot. What movie was that? I never forget that. Urban Cowboy. Urban oh, Cowboy. Urban Cowboy. Yeah. That's right. Well, there is a similar scene, or maybe I haven't seen Urban Cowboy, or to remember that scene. But there's a scene where she, Sophia, is on like a practice bull, practice bull, and yeah. he's tugging at the ropes, mm-hmm. and she's undulating. Mm-hmm. I, if you can go to YouTube and watch what <laughs> Bartley <laughs> shit just did, that's amazing. That <laughs> was undulating. undulating. I will say though, the the first half of this trailer really got me intrigued with the dark tone and the in the setup. But then it just turns into old people crabbing about love or something. I don't know. <laughs> it is an odd trailer. <laughs> Crabbing's such a great word. <laughs> crabbing. <laughs> it gets all bananas while they're crabbing about love. <laughs> Scott looks a lot like his dad. When he smiles, he? he's squinty so, eyes and everything. He is very handsome, so that'll be yummy. It reminds yeah. you of how good-looking Clint Eastwood was. Yeah. yeah mm. Look at his son. This yeah. movie will be mostly Scott Eastwood's abs. <laughs> And there's nothing wrong with that. There the go. working so enjoy it. care. There is a slow drawing off of a shirt in every Nicholas Sparks movie trailer, right? Like he has the slow yeah, yeah. pull up. You he know, he's working on his car, and, yeah, and she yeah. came yes. along right when it just got too hot, oh, just yes, too yes. hot, <laughs> and the sun is setting. I think there's six of those in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, nothing but them taking off shirts. That's the new Bawang of Nicholas Sparks yeah. movies. <laughs> Whenever things need to be exciting in a regular movie, we put all that weird, crazy soundtrack. Bawang. Here we just have him take off his shirt take slowly. Off his shirt. Slowly right. in the dimly lit uh, sunset. <laughs> to the sound of Bawang. Bawang. Sun drenched. You think David Lynch will have a sexy kid someday and show up in movies? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I myself it. will be taking my shirt off for Twin Peaks if they would give me the budget for it. <laughs> right, that's enough of this. Let's move on to, uh, oh, let's move on instead to the greatest movie of all time, <gasps> Raiders of a Lost Ark. And who to talk about that better with who better? than Chris Strompolis, producer and star of Raiders of a Lost Ark, the adaptation. If you don't know what that is, we'll explain with Chris right after this 10-second break. Stay with us. <laughs> That, of course, the musical stylings of Sweet Ass Cream Corn. Was that what I was going to ask? Karen's brother's that? band. That's Bob Volpe on drums really rocking the uh, the bass pedal. Wow. Has he got two bass drums? Yes, oh, sure. of course. Yeah, yeah. Why? Because he can. Yeah. And that's my brother Don Volpe on guitar solo. But it is guest time here in the Admirals Club, and there's a lot going on with our guest. In 1981, Raiders of the Lost Ark was released, as we all know, and our wow. guest, along with his friend Eric Zala, Zayla. Zayla! As set in Vuvu. Yeah, set out to make a shot-by-shot remake of the legendary action film. They finished in 1989, only they never shot the famous fight sequence at the plane after Indian and Marion escape from the Well of Souls. Cut to 2014. The plane sequence is now complete, and the true remake of Raiders of a Lost Ark wow. is in the can. This has launched a behind-the-scenes book called Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made, which is also now a documentary. Again, a lot going on, and uh, here is one of the self-titled Raiders guys behind it all, Chris Strompolis, everybody. Yay! Thank you, thank Strompolis. Strompolis. I got to go Italian on that, because the Greek ain't cutting it for me. I got a Strompolis, right? Or Stromboli. That, uh, Stromboli. I, get that, I get that, too. 
Yeah, when I, I mean, played uh, El- Elwood Blues up at Universal Theme Park. Hey, Elroy! It's like you're not even... <laughs> you're not trying. You're not, you're even, not even, even trying. trying. Yeah. Yeah. Be somewhat of a curious individual <laughs> and pay attention. Now, Paul, I don't want to overset the table, but yeah. I, I think it might do our listeners some good to explain explicitly what ha- what you have done with this. It is, this is a shot-by-shot mm-hmm. remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark by, a, at the time, how old were you? We started when we were 10 years old. 10 years oh, old with so a VHS good. recorder. And it is Betamax. Betamax. Oh, I, I, I didn't mean to undercut the quality. Look <laughs> um, and it is, it is exactly that. It is exactly 10-year-old boys going out and remaking as is Hang the movie. Hang on. I yep. know what it was like to be a 10-year-old boy. And um, you can hardly tell. You can hardly tell. <laughs> and I gotta say that I, when I first started watching the movie, I thought was expecting it to have a bigger cute factor. Like, in, instead of having a car, we have our wagon. They didn't do that. No. So I, this oh, is no. so messed up because this is not a bunch of ten-year-olds no. making a movie. These are filmmakers who are making a movie who happen to be ten. There are arms on fire. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we we went for it, you know. I mean, I think yeah. I think that's the uh, uh, that's the thing that that I think surprises a lot of people is that we just dove in. We took ourselves very seriously, probably too seriously, and we didn't know what we were getting into. You know, we had no idea that we were tackling this, you know, twenty-six million dollar Spielberg epic. I mean, we we thought it would be easier. You know, we, we, we thought it would be always. Will. I love the like naivete of a child. That movie looked pretty easy to make. Here's I mean, another <laughs> thing. Um, I had parents like most of us, and they wouldn't even know how to start to help me to do this. So they would be like, I don't know, go film outside. With Whatever it. you're doing, don't do it now. Don't do it in here. How you must have had parents who had some knowledge. There must have been help somewhere, right? Well, not really. I mean, my mom was in. She was a journalist and worked for the local TV station. Uh, Eric's mom. Mom didn't know anything about filmmaking. Uh, Jason's mom was a photographer. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, but uh, we were all raised by single mothers, and so oh, go single moms. Yeah, go yeah. single moms. Cool. Mom power. Indeed. And so, obviously, initially when. I had the idea and I told my folks, you know, hey, I want to remake Raiders. Uh, you know, I mean, I think like any parent, they're going to pat their child on the head and <laughs> and say, oh, that's that's, nice. that's sweet. That's great. That's, you know, go ahead. And, you know, then summer after summer after summer, we didn't really stop. And they kind of came on board and helped us and drive us around. And also, I mean, we took over Eric's mom's house. The entire house was completely dominated by sets and and well she didn't know fire and, and <laughs> yeah uh, that's my first question. sand yeah the fire question <laughs> yeah. always seems to I, be right yeah, I mean, what did you asks. set on fire because they said they did the bar scene from raiders of course this. shot for shot yes yeah. including arms on fire including bars on fire including whiskey there's a number of things that, okay hey mom can i set things on fire can i play fight can I use knives and guns? Can I m- do gambling? And can I pretend to be drinking whiskey? And kissing a girl. And kiss a girl. And smoking. And smoking. <laughs> that one guy had smoke coming out of his nose, so clearly he inhaled. Yep, and all this was being done in the basement, like under the kitchen. Ah, oh, what a great kid. What a great childhood thing. Yeah. We, we had the yeah. basement, too, at my grandparents' house, and that was the, I mean, we never went this far, but, but that was the staging room where you did shows and little yeah. plays and all this sort of stuff. So that was so near and dear to my heart that I was hoping this was in a basement in one of your houses. Yeah, it was Eric's mom's house. It was this 
old sort of uh, antebellum kind of style home that was built like in 1906 and and uh, right on the beach. And she was, you know, divorced sort of mid-stride. You know, we first started in the first couple of years and the house fell into disrepair. So she just kind of let us go for it and, and kind of <laughs> oh. do whatever we wanted to do. Now, the fire thing was not something that they were particularly pleased about, I'm you know, sure. because um, the first fire thing that we did is, is uh, of course, there's that great shot where the, um, you know, the, the sort of, they call them the ratty Nepalese, you know, he he's sort of, um, he's all tattered and he catches on fire and Indy pops out from behind that little doorway and shoots yeah. him in the middle of the forehead and he goes down. Well, that day, instead of using rubbing alcohol, which we were using for the rest of the room, we decided to use gasoline on Eric. <gasps> and so we doused Eric's back with gasoline and, and lit him aflame. <laughs> And so oh, we couldn't amazing. we couldn't get him out, and we uh, had a fire extinguisher. And I eventually sort of I mean, the plan was okay if Eric if we can't get him out, then take this blanket and cover him with the blanket and kind of go you know and bat it out. Well, the person that was responsible for taking the blanket was patting the flames higher and higher and oh. higher and higher and higher. Feeding higher. it. Feeding it. Oh. And so, That's why you always go with the union crew. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you, 10-year-old? <laughs> yeah, damn it, we missed that part. Um, and so I tackled Eric to the ground, and then we sprayed him with the fire extinguisher. And this was early on when we were kind of like just figuring out camera angles and lighting and production value and, and the sets and things like that. And the moms caught on to that, and they kind of shut us down. But that's something else I want to mention is that it is not just a shot for shot, but it is you're you're mimicking the angle. You're yeah. you're doing yeah. you're replicating this. It's a real film school. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. Paul, I'll be very honest with you, Chris. Paul said, "Well, we got this guy. He did this," and I said, "I have no interest in seeing this." Because this you thought like, it was going to be a kid with his wagon. And I was like, "Oh, what yeah. A kid. Uh, yeah." It is maybe the greatest thing I have seen. <laughs> it's in it's amazing. Probably a good twenty years, <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Man, and I'm being sincere. I'm, Thank you, I sir. was watching it last night, like. Uh, this is the and you. Wa- I almost want to watch it more than the the original one. Yeah. Did I send you the plane scene? No. Oh, okay. so we'll I'll to have to it. do that. I'll have yeah, to do yeah, that. Yeah, but because I think I think the 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 link that I sent you was just the the first version right. that we had. Yeah. And and to catch some audience members up a little bit because uh, we might be talking a little insider. Thank you, by the way. That there, <laughs> yeah. There there is this. I mean, just heartwarming but awesome but amazing but you know gigantic movie uh the shot between ages 10 and whatever and this as the story goes that you never had were able to shoot the flying wing scene mm-hmm. with the giant bald german and the fight and uh and so and so just recently right yeah it was just recently it was it was yeah. uh, early last year i mean basically this is something so that, great. that eric and i had chatted about for years and it was a scene that we kind of played around when we, with when we were kids we of course there's a plane and it blows up and we had we were playing with explosives and that didn't quite work out and we just kind of let it go and we had this like you know like single engine Cessna that was abandoned on an airfield and we were built trying to build pipe bombs that we had explored the recipe with from the anarchist cookbook and that's somewhere did, there you're on the terrorist yeah. watch list I know right <laughs> no kidding uh, um, pre 9-11 the <laughs> <laughs> little Greek terrorist running around <laughs> Mississippi. Um, and and that just didn't work out. And then I think that we had discussed miniatures and we didn't want it to look fake. And, mm-hmm. and we, so we let it go. And then so for years, Eric and I, when our Raiders movie got rediscovered, for years we kind of joked, well, we're going to go back and do the plane scene one day. you know. Yeah. And it was always just sort of a punchline to some of our Q&As and, th- and things like that when we went on tour. And, um, and then we met Jeremy Kuhn after the uh, Jeremy Kuhn was the producer of Napoleon Dynamite, and he saw the film oh, when we were cool. in Park City, 
And he read the book and loved it. And we started talking. He goes like, I, I have to do a documentary about this. And so I pitched the idea to Jeremy, you know, because um, I, I had talked to Eric. I said, come on, man, let's do the plane scene. Let's let's really do it. And he's like, he's like, no, it's going to take too much time. It's going to take too much money. And, and no, I mean, it's just like it's too much of a commitment. And so he wasn't really keen on the idea. So I sold Jeremy on the idea. Oh, that's great. And I said, Jeremy, sell Eric on the idea, <laughs> you know, and because it I mean, in essence, for a doc, it kind of works because it's like the plane scene, which is a cornerstone for the doc. And so, yeah, we did. A yeah, kick. it gives a focus. It gives an ending. It gives right. an end to the journey. It's the past. It's well, that's the, very it's smart present, doc making. You know, so yeah. so it worked. And and there was a lot of things that we had no idea would happen. So. And you got the doc to pay for it. Good idea. Good thinking. Well, we, well done, Chris. <laughs> OPM. He's other the producer. People, there you go. Other people's Wait, money. Let me play a clip from the doc. Uh, anyway, just go right into it. When I went to go see Raiders of the Lost Ark, it, it, it really just kind of split my brain in half, and I wanted nothing more than to play Indiana Jones. Chris told me, Mom, I want to make a movie, and there's this kid at school that is a filmmaker, and that was Eric. Ten years old. Of course he is. <laughs> I love it. It's, a, it's, it's recording, right? He has we several projects in various no stages of development. We were getting into. Action! That's probably the widest engine you've ever seen in your life. We lit that whole wall on fire. Action! <laughs> movie magic, folks. <laughs> I gotta say that this movie has some of the best acting I've seen in a small budget film <laughs> in a long time. There's so many great things in it. Mm -hmm. yeah. That, of course, was a teaser from Raiders, uh, and it has the same name as the book, right? The greatest, the, the story, story of the greatest fan film ever made. Correct. Yeah. Yep. And I can see how Bart would even be a little suspect going, fan film? <sighs> Do you because think you started the whole thing? Uh, What's that? Do you feel like you started the whole thing? The fan genre? films? Well, it w uh, oh, the whole fan film genre? Yeah. No, definitely not. I mean, <laughs> it's uh, I mean, I think in terms of Indiana Jones fandom and that kind of immersion and the length of time that we spent on it, yes. I mean, we're we're sort of like you know we are unique in that regard. But you know, I've met people <clears throat> on the road who um, I met this gentleman in Connecticut. He was 84 years old, and he handed me a DVD of some old film strips that he had transferred. Um, uh, from the uh, mid '30s, of him and his brother remaking Tarzan uh, in his cool. in his backyard, and so you know, and then there's people that have started to do studies on it, and and so that fan kind of genre actually goes back to like you know Tarzan, the Little Rascals, mm, and things cool. like that. I mean, fan filmmaking has become a lot more sophisticated. I think they have the know. tools more available to them, yeah, and the talent, and it's Miller time. <laughs> Speaking of little rascals, I mean, there is a. It's it, it, Bart's right. You don't get this sort of like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. They did their little thing, but it is the kids, and it is like you know, I was that age, and we we didn't do anything like this. But we, I mean, of course, on the playground, you would pretend these things. So it's just so near and dear to my heart, and I think all of our heart to see kids doing this, especially I loved the Hovitos because as they run after Indiana Jones, it's totally the neighborhood kids. Yeah, they're just like, but they're all dressed like natives, you know. And and Take it seriously. Yeah, but they got the like the long blonde floppy hair and everything. Like, it's just the neighborhood kids. You know? I, they got everyone together. It's I so, do appreciate so your casting of the role of the chimpanzee. I love the dog. I thought he was really oh, a very yes. good Snickers. actor. That was Snickers great. was a very good actor. Snickers was my dog. Yeah, we couldn't find a monkey in Mississippi. What? And, uh, <laughs> and so I had my dog and I just went to Eric and I said, Hey man, let's use Snick, and he was like, "We well, had a long so tail." Great. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Okay, yeah, yeah let's try. It. I just love watching people walk around with a dog on their shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's and one it, of the things it works. 
as as a gigantic Raiders fan, I think Paul probably watched it the same way I did, which was like repeatedly. Uh, <laughs> well, hey, a, a repeatedly, but also like I wonder how they're gonna deal with. And the monkey oh, yeah. was one of those things. And as soon as it was a dog, I was like, oh, so cute. <laughs> and then I was like, are they gonna have the dog do the Heil Hitler? And th- then they did, and it was just—it's like that. The whole movie's like that. It's like, how are they gonna do? Because I'm such a fan, I know all the beats, you know. I yeah. was doing the same thing with how you're gonna do the giant ball, and I still don't know how you did the giant yeah, ball. Yeah, that's the, quite a set. That's the amazing. Opening, right? the, the boulder went through about five different manifestations. I mean, everything from you know we had like a cable spool to, uh, I mean, the first one that we did when we were really young, ten and eleven years old, we were trying to build the boulder, and we we went out into the the swamp and we hacked down all this bamboo and all this cardboard that we pulled out of dumpsters and we had duct tape and gray spray paint. And <laughs> I knew duct tape was <laughs> yeah. coming oh, into yeah. play. And we dragged it all back and we like we were we built this massive beautiful frame of bamboo and and molded the cardboard around it and we were spray painting it and it was just big and awesome and then as the sun was coming up we realized that this big clunky kind of boulder was too big to get out of my bedroom. Oh, and, no. and so we had to crush it and kind of get rid of it. And then uh, and, and it went through a lot of different uh you know a lot of different versions. But the final version awesome. that you guys saw was a fiberglass uh fiberglass uh ball that Eric figured out how to make from a local fiber fiberglass artist basically dug a hole in the ground and did a plumb line made a half of a shell popped it out put them together <sighs> spray painted it gray with dirt and moss and then we bought two like uh 40 foot long telephone poles and inserted them into the under part of the house at an angle where the where the foundation is oh, yeah <laughs> that's right and we made a cave with you know stalactites styrofoam stalactites and moss and we rolled the ball down the telephone poles. And then later we chopped up the telephone poles and used it to create the melting uh, faces scene, the, the arc, uh, when the arc is oh, opened. Yeah, yeah. Oh. See, that's what I enjoyed. Oh, yeah. I've made only that's a handful awesome. of small films, <clears throat> but those are the things that I enjoyed is figuring out how to get this when you don't have a yeah. multi-million dollar yeah. budget. The creativity and is very that, impressive. And, and then having it come off and not, not having the audience be able to see how you did it. Yeah. Right, just and you get to pull your friend aside and go, you know, actually, what that is is that just a big fucking and that fiberglass is- thing. <laughs> yeah. If you look over there, you can see the string, but don't look at but the string. Look at so. the string. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. amazing. And my biggest question, though, I you have to tell us the secret behind how did you get people to join you every weekend for forty two years or that- what it was. I mean, we can't get six people together no. on a show, you know, let alone. Sixty a cast kids of dozens right. for the summer. For the summer. Well, I think that had a lot to do with the chemistry between Eric and I. I mean, I'm 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 the smiles and handshake and sort of like exterior. You know, hey, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. And I'm the energetic like cheerleader. And then you know they'll come and 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 then Eric's like, all right, put that Nazi costume on. Come on, let's go. You know, and and he's the sort of whip cracker. You know, and he kept things structured and and disciplined. And so he had this battered list of neighborhood kids and their phone numbers, where they lived, and their mom's names. Ah, and so moms like, want them to be doing something other than getting into trouble. So like a real producer. Brilliant. Yeah, and so <laughs> Eric would call. I'd get them in, and Eric would sort of keep them there, and we'd call this battered list every summer and like, okay, come on, come out. And some people would come, and a lot of people would not. And it was shot over how many summers? A seven. Seven. So you can, wow. noticeably, you can noticeably see aging. Yeah. Well, you, as... ca- you can, but what we did was is because if you guys remember back then, you couldn't rent Raiders. I mean, you couldn't go. You, oh, yeah. You couldn't see it. You know, the only way to see it over and over again was to go to the theater and watch it. So we didn't see the movie as many times as you would think. And so well, we. How did you do it, Shop of Shot? I never yeah. even thought of that. Yeah. We, we actually worked from memory. 
Oh, I never wow. even thought uh, of that. For I the first I... three years, yeah, we. Whoa. Yeah, we we cobbled together like fan magazines and like copies of Fangoria and like Starlog, and Holy we bought cow. the Cosden script and looked at the storyboards, and then um, I snuck a, a Radio Shack tape recorder straight uh, to my oh, chest into the theater to record so audio. Sweet. I have done that at a Gloria Stefan concert, Radio Shack recorder. <laughs> yeah. I did that in my pants. Yeah. Yep. And you and I, <laughs> yeah. but I had this big winter coat on, so I got thrown out of the theater. Eric went back and got it, and so and so Eric, who wanted to be a cartoon, a cartoon. A, like a cartoon artist, a comic book artist rather, um, he sat down and he looked at all the stuff and he hand drew 609 shots and we used that as the shooting bible and then when the laser disc came out in 84, oh. we watched it and realized we were pretty dead on. I would just like to tell really the Academy, impressive. no one is doing this shit for Chariots of Fire. Okay? <laughs> you screwed up. Da, na, 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 you screwed up. <laughs> That's the that one up. enduring legacy, and nobody knows what that song's from. I guarantee yep. you. If you hum that to everybody and you ask what that was from, but you guys do. Yeah, we do. Yes. Well, we're movie guys. But if you <laughs> went down and went, dun, 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 everybody yeah. knows. Yeah. Now, Eric Zayla. Yep. I'm sorry I messed up his name earlier. Wait a second. Wait a second. But I have to take a pause. Yeah. What won best score that year? I think, I think uh, Williams did. Okay. Uh, if we only had oh, sometimes man. we got a girl who sits over there and tells us when we screw if up. If it's Jamie Smart fire, tells us, I'll look it up. Then I am I, outraged. Wow, you might be right. That, that, I bet it a, beat John Williams. God damn. We're talking movie. eighty-one Oscars. Eighty-one Oscars. Eighty-one Oscars here. soundtrack or, or uh, yeah. But you score. mentioned a third player. There was a third Raiders guy involved. Jason Lamb. Jason Lamb. I want to make sure I get his name. Yeah, out Jason, as well. Jason's in Oakland. He did all the camera work and special effects for the movie. Now, when the final edit's put together. You're going to cut to your current age for the plane scene, then go back to being a kid again? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I heard this is part of the magic of it. When you <laughs> watch is. the final, the full cut, you exit the well of the souls. Uh, you know, uh, I can't, I can't tell what age you might be there. Twelve, thirteen, or something like that. Uh, well, the 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 shot, the way it, the way it is kind of currently, well, the way it's going to stay is that I'm in silhouette and I'm fourteen, I'm fifteen, okay. and you know, Marion, come on, and we go towards the light, you know, and then the next shot is the famous. Hero Stone coming out of the Well of Souls yeah. and dropping to the ground, and I merge, and I'm 43. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> you got like the homeless dude sitting brilliant. there next to the uh, yeah, good. The nice. the beaten Arab, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, and you also had locations that weren't the house. Like whenever you were doing the stuff in the other crummy part of town, I can't remember what it was with the monkey and everything. That was like it looked like a city street. It was. It was Gulfport, Mississippi. Huh. Yeah, and we uh, looked really run down. That was guerrilla filmmaking. We just went and set up and set up baskets and and, yeah. and cloth oh. and stuff like that. And we actually almost got arrested. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be a movie if you didn't. I, <laughs> yeah, I would hope there was at least one close to arrest. Yeah, in, in there was thing. more than three. Okay. I, I have a question about that. Good. Let's because the documentary is probably going to show a lot more than just how we did this doc. and how we did it. It's probably got a little dirt, right? Oh, it's got a lot of dirt. So give me a couple of samples from that to whet the appetite for the doc. Of, uh, of some uh, dirt. In terms of dirt, yeah. <laughs> Uh, an arrest or anything else? Drug addiction, uh, strippers. What? Uh, went yeah. to jail for real? For real? Wow! That's wow. a hard All living right. ten year old. Who went to jail? <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah, you know, it was, it was a hard, it was a hard road. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So we, we, I mean, we cover all that in in the, I mean, because the spine of the story is this friendship between Eric and myself, right? Because it's like we're best friends and we go through this journey together, but we also grow up in Raiders and and we, you know. 
become adults and move to LA and try to do the movie thing and realize that we have to support ourselves. And, you know, my life goes off in a different direction and Eric's life goes off in a different direction, but it's Raiders that brings us back together, mm. you know, and sort of like heals the friendship and also re-inspires us. So it's Raiders has been, uh, you know, the almost like, you know, the the other pillar of everything you know it's it's eric uh and even more so than probably jason i mean jason's our dear friend but you know jason kind of fell out of everything when we were touring just because it was too stressful Mm. for him and And uh, now touring around is how you show the the film correct it's not available anywhere else no no i mean it's 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 more readily available now than it ever has been like i just sent you a link and and you know we had a partnership with vhx and and so i mean uh, and the Kickstarter uh, campaign, and so that's allowed us to sort of circulate the movie um, a lot, a lot wider. But otherwise, for the last twelve years, we've been touring, and we simply go to film festivals and schools and museums and and a lot of places that you know we use it as a fundraising tool. I was just going to say, there's a number of charities involved that you guys are helping out, correct, with your cool. screenings. Go ahead and uh, list a few of those. Oh, uh, we've we've raised money for Doctors Without Borders. I mean, when we were in Portland, we had three screenings at the Hollywood Theater three nights in a row, uh, 750 person theater. We sold it out. They work with a charity where they have these sort of kids who are underprivileged uh, to be part of this workshop, this film workshop um, that was totally broke, and so we raised enough money to completely fund the program and take these like 16 or 18 kids and put them through the whole program. Things like that, we do things like that. So, you know, uh, we've raised money for um, film education, we've raised money for cancer research, we've raised money for the AIDS Foundation, we've raised money for just, you know, schools and, and, uh, you know, restoration of like, you know, little historical things you know and you know i mean across the board it's it's really what the hosting organization that brings us in to work with chooses to do because the list on your website is is 30 plus uh, yeah we've worked charities there yeah we've worked we've worked with a lot of you know uh you know and charities that also sort of splinter off and do multiple things you know much like indiana jones you're a hero (laughs) (laughs) well you've taken that to heart hey in a town you know that rewards shallowness it's got to feel pretty good it to get does out there feel and do good. something meaningful yeah. right i mean, I mean well, I, paul it is called show business oh. and to that end i have a question okay oh, <laughs> sure yes. well no th- because when i see things like this and, and and i don't know if classifying it as an independent film is fair but um having dabbled in that world one of the things that people of your ilk run into are issues of clearance and copyright and Absolutely. fair use and all that and one of the things i noticed is that you use the score mm-hmm. so have you run into obstacles have you gotten cease and desist letters have you had any sort of backlash because you're using copyrighted material the script is copyrighted the music is obviously uh, scored so yep. how does that work out for you for the the reason we've been able been able to navigate it as such mm-hmm. are the re- very reasons that I just Okay, I was wondering. So from the very beginning, so yes, it's a feel good thing. Yes, we've given a lot back, and yes, it's a very, it's got a very, very positive component to it. But knowing all those things, Mm -hmm. we kind of vowed from the beginning to build in this charitable component to mitigate a lot of those things. But do they just leave you alone, or you go, hey, I'm doing it for a good cause, and they say, well, since you're not making any money off of it, have at it. Which, yeah, which we. Haven't. Okay. Have you been able to parlay it into any sort of ability to get work in the industry or become a filmmaker? Well, he mentioned anything? the strip club. Right, right. <laughs> I'm still doing that. Yeah. Yeah, good, yeah. excellent. Yeah. Uh, because it, I mean, there is no question that the people that made that movie have potential and have ability. 
And sometimes it's we can all attest to this, and it's very frustrating when you can't find a way to get that to the next level. Absolutely, no, and and that's a really excellent point. I think that's the thing that Eric and I um, are forging ahead with always. You know, mm-hmm. is to kind of break out of this Raiders guy thing. You know, and and we have a slate of original projects that we've been working on. We have a book that we are, you know, adapting that I've I'm, you know, in the process of optioning. I have an episodic animation TV series that I'm producing. You know, so there's a lot of there's a lot of possibility. And and I think because we have become as high profile in the fan film world as we have, you know, the powers that be, Lucas, Spielberg, Paramount, now Disney, you know, um, have supported us as much as they can without opening the floodgates right you know they so but they stayed they stayed you know within arm's reach and and they've had a certain distance but they've still been very vocal and supportive as much as i think that they can be you know i mean spielberg along the lines as along the you know our sort of journey has been incredibly supportive i mean he called us up and he met with us and brought us to his office That's and we cool. talked to him and met him and, and he wow. his quote is on the back of our book and you know he looked at our Kickstarter campaign and had us made some changes Man. but um, <laughs> but that's you know, great but right yeah and but he was he was he said you know I or mean, more I, jail uh, yeah, yeah right <laughs> but don't and everyone knows in their heart that you just wish that they would throw you that first opportunity or that yeah, bone well you have you to know? go out and prove yourself no matter yeah. I mean no matter what level I think we were talking about this before mm-hmm. the show is like no matter what level that you're at you're constantly you've got your new project that is close to your heart under your arm yeah. and you have to go do the dog and pony show and convince people to give you money mm-hmm. you know it's yep. still the same thing well what have you done well i remade raiders yeah. of the lost ark when i was 10 okay that's cool but i think i think i think the this room this the generation that's in this room has kind of fallen and i'm not making excuses but kind of fallen fallen victim to a technology curve that existed because if you had done this in the 70s mm. you'd be a working filmmaker right now because they would have said holy shit this guy knows how to make a movie but because it happens kind of over the course of the late 80s early 90s where technology started catching up what happened was in my opinion is that the the the, the mechanics of making a movie became less and less mysterious to the rest of the world and it now now it's about content 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 because we can find anybody that can put the pieces together but i think had you done this in the early 70s you're like holy shit how'd this guy make a movie nobody knows it was such a mysterious a thing yeah here do <laughs> with that again film, with yeah. film stock and everything exactly yeah, yeah, do that totally. do that again because we don't know how this gets done we just know there's a guy's named director and they do it go do it yeah but now anybody with a phone can make a movie so right yeah. right right, right. Yeah. I mean, I, but but i i think there are still fundamentals in hand right i mean everybody knows raiders sure but you know as filmmakers you still have to tell a good story, you know? Yeah. You still have to get people in front of a camera to play certain parts. Your and friend to- still has to call people's moms and get that cast together. Right? That it's, is a bitch. It's just a new person to call those moms. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and new technology. I mean, just because your laptop comes bundled with editing software and, and you know, a camera and, you know, whatever, doesn't necessarily, you know, mean it corresponds directly to something that's watchable. Mm-hmm. I know. But look at the cinema school you guys you yeah. guys had. I, yeah. I thought back to, I remember you used to tell stories in like film school about the uh, the Eisenstein generation or whatever, and that they would take pictures and they would put these pictures together to create montage. And it was just like all this type of practice mm-hmm. emulating other things. Mm-hmm. And so just watching you guys do the shot for shot for shot, the fact is like, and I was a huge Raiders fan as a kid and Paul was, you know, but I never like sat there and analyzed shot to shot to shot. And you'd like, look at you guys doing it. And you're like, that is so aces to study 
exactly what made that bar. I was just watch the bar scene and go, oh, my God, this is the greatest shootout in history. And, oh, man, look at it. I mean, it's obvious that Spielberg has directed it like a master. But to, like, find out why on that level is really, really cool. But it's amazing because not everybody feels that way. Mm -hmm. Not everybody takes that artistic approach with filmmaking because some people say, I mean, and I, like you said at the, at the, at the top of the show, which is, why would I want to watch this movie? It, you know, I mean, you know, why, why, and, and, and that is actually, it doesn't surprise me, mm -hmm. you know, because it's like, well, why would you want to go through the steps and go through the exercise exercises of remaking something that's already done? Why, why would you want to do that? These were all questions I asked Paul yeah, before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, I mean, and, and so, you know, we've had, uh, uh, it's been really enlightening to see both schools of thought. Like, these kids are dicks, you know. Like, why, why, why the hell would they do this? This hmm. is going to be boring, and then they watch it, and it's a different experience. Yeah. But you know, you you learn your craft through emulation, or you learn your craft through you know, fire and 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 innovate. burning, setting your you, friends and on you fire, innovate. You innovate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you come up with something original. So I get both sides. It's just that we fall into the category where we're like, hey, these are our heroes, and I want to be Indiana Jones, and I'm a kid, and I'm just going to try to copy this here's something that it kind of goes to the same idea is that musicians get a pass on this very concept because a musician can learn their craft by taking dark side of the moon ah. they can learn how to play dark side of the moon then they play it for their You're friends right. and everybody goes that was the best dark side of the moon i've ever heard and you are awesome and comedians can't do that and neither can filmmakers because if paul goes to school and does bill cosby's jokes People are like, that's lame, Bill. Co you can't do his comedy routine. I've said, well, yeah, well, they'd have me arrested too. Yeah, but I've said, I've always said, you can't <laughs> drugged and then arrested. Can't rewrite a can't. Re why can't we rewrite a book? Yeah, exactly. You, can't. you can't rewrite a book, <laughs> and you can't obviously do a movie shot for shot without being not <laughs> given the same <laughs> the same uh, little bit of leeway like you do when someone does a song and when you're t learning your craft. Because I come from a music background mm -hmm. that's how I learned you go and say I want to sing like Barbara Streisand so you listen to her sing you emulate it the best you can and you come up with your own style in the process because you are not her but at the same time you learn where to breathe where to do phrasing how does she enunciate what is she doing and that's what you did with this movie by emulating it and that's such a cool way to learn well, your art not that I want to divert it into music but you know when you're a musician your your tool set is internal right right and and so as, as a singer you know I mean all, all of the internal mechanics as a singer you have you know muscle memory and 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 you know expanding your range and inhabiting the song and creating the emotion and all that kind of stuff if you're a guitarist I mean if you can get that lick you know and just and nail it well there's there's a certain execution there whereas filmmaking yeah I mean if you're copying a shot and do things that sort of thing it's not I don't know if it's as appreciated psycho you know I mean mm -hmm. look at psycho you know I mean you know all the ingredients were there and that didn't do very well they added so. color <laughs> they do. Yeah. So, so I think it comes back down to the fact that really it's just a love letter, and you're rooting for the kids that are playing the parts inside, you yeah. know. And and I think that's the spirit of our movie is that everybody goes back to that nostalgic place. Yeah. Everybody knows Raiders, yeah. Everybody loves the story, yeah. But you know, you you go back to this nostalgic place where you're innocent and you are in a state of mind where you don't know that that there are all these things that you can't do. Yeah. But you try, yeah, and so you're it's rooting, the best. you're rooting for it, you yeah. know, and that's exciting, and that's that's the energy, I think. Yeah, and that's exactly what I told Bart last night, including the psycho reference, because I said I don't yeah. get how adults 
get any enjoyment out of this, but the kids, it's the, the, the idolization and the hero worship and the chance to walk in the footsteps exactly. of greatness. You know, I can see, and it's all up there on the screen, and it's so enjoyable to watch, but when adults remake something shot for shot, I just don't see the... Uh, the wonder in it, it's, it doesn't seem like a... I mean, even for the plane scene, for me, it was still a captivating idea. It's like, okay, what would it feel like to to fight on top of a moving airplane? Uh. What would it feel like to roll out of the way of an airplane that just misses you where it's rolling past you? What would it feel like to be running away from a 120-foot explosion in the air as fragments and things are blowing up around you. You know, what would it feel like when that heat hits you? You know, what would it feel like to wear the jacket and the hat and get into a punching match with a dude who's three times your size? What would it feel like to do all that? Well, now I know. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so good. So, that's the best. You know, I mean, that's, that's the, so you know, good. so that's for me, it was just a personal, I just want to see what it feels like to do that, you know? Oh, man. With the summer of, I think, uh, 82, uh, my dad came back from North Carolina with a bullwhip, something I had never asked for, but a movie I was clearly obsessed with and spent a lot of time seeing and a lot of time talking about it like that. And it was like, came back with a bull. I mean, a kid with a bullwhip. Did you have a bullwhip as a kid, Paul? I never got one. No. Oh, my God. Better as much than a as I loved gun. Indiana Jones. Did you, did you play with it? And the first thing I did was throw it up on a tree, and you could swing from it. Yeah. I was a smaller guy. You know, I, was, I don't know how old I was, but at some point, I'm sure I, I, that would not hold my weight. But at the time, it was great. You could swing on everything. You could I could whip things out of the trees. And stuff. I mean, I got really good with it. It was so fun. I was Indiana Jones every day after school. Do you still have it? Yes. <laughs> you do? I do. Oh, yes, I do. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I have my awesome. original bullwhip. I, I would love to see that whip. Uh, yes, and for all the year, oh, I I I will uh, take a picture. Sometime. Yeah, I would love to <laughs> see it because it is still to this day the best bullwhip ever because it had a wooden handle, which I thought was really cool. Wasn't that, like in that's mine. But, you know. I have one of those. Oh, too. You had a wood with a, a little bolted on grommets mm-hmm. and everything. in the film. Uh, well, it was my second whip. My first one I put through such duress it, it literally disintegrated, <laughs> and I yeah. think I think was uh, sucked away in a hurricane. And then I had my second whip that I used for the remaining like three or four years. How great of was that it? style? Ah, how great was it the first time you learned to crack that sucker? Oh man! How great was the first time you swung from a tree with it? Sure. Is that the first thing you did? You ran out to the yard. And my tried first, to swing from a my tree, first right? bull whip was one that I made myself out of a broomstick and a oh. large uh, rope and more duct tape. I, duct tape can do anything. Well, that is and then you just paint it whatever color you need. Yeah. It's perfect. Well, let me ask you a couple more things. First sure. of all. Um, what is it about, like, I love Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I could go on forever. What is it for you that it's the greatest? Well, and I, you know, as a kid, I was just attracted to the character of Indiana Jones. And I think that coming off of Star Wars, you know, I mean, Han Solo was my character. I mean, mm. that was what I, I mean, that Star Wars was it for me. And then I watched Indiana Jones uh, uh, do his thing on screen and watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it was a world that was far more accessible. And I think the, mm. the mythological uh, display uh, in terms of the hero cycle, all of his flaws, all of his characteristics, the accessibility of just being a man, an academic. He had girl problems. He wanted to fight the bad guy. It took place in a actual historical time with actual bad people, Nazis, blah, blah, blah. It felt real. Right. (laughs) But yes, yes, exactly. And 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 then combined with the undeniable charisma of Harrison Ford. I mean, you know, you he's very watchable. So it's like 
the documentary explores this a little bit. Why, mm. you know? And I think for a lot of boys, at least for me, growing, growing up around that time, I was raised by a single mom. And I had different male figures in my life, a stepfather. And my dad was still sort of around, but not, you know, in a divorce situation. So, I mean, for me, if I wanted to psychoanalyze it a little bit more, mm-hmm. what was it about Indiana Jones that I, you know, attracted me so much is that... I didn't know what it meant to be a male. I didn't know what it meant to mm. be a guy. And what I, a I great example. Yeah, you know. wow. <laughs> yeah. right. That and is so, the guy to emulate. And so why not try to inhabit the skin of this fucking awesome hero, <laughs> you know, that changes, that can just blew, that just blew my mind. You know, why not try to be that to see what it feels like to be this person that I have no idea, like... How did this man get to be this way, you know? And because I don't really have a, a masculine, you know, person to sort of emulate. You don't have a Scott Eastwood, right? <laughs> well, I think Actually, it was a very. At, at, can I take my shirt off? <laughs> we prefer it. Oh. Okay. It was a very, hey, very good choice. And, and, and I actually, um, I, I think you kind of dodged a bullet there because this was what, 1980 what? 1981. And Richard Simmons was just getting hot <laughs> at that time. So you picked the right. So you one. picked the right guy to emulate. I did consider it. Yes. Yeah. Well, he oh, was he was very popular. He was very popular. And your first and time fit. seeing it was uh, in uh, June. I saw it when it opened in June of '81, June or July of '81, with my dad who fell asleep. Oh, uh, that's telling. You know? Very telling. Because right he did. It was funny because my dad, I always remember, it never liked Harrison Ford. He, <gasps> he thought Harrison Ford's a horrible actor. He always told me that. I'm like, but, wow. but you're fired. This Dad. is so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Dad, I'm replacing you with Harrison yeah. Ford. He's like, but he's such a horrible actor. I'm like, mm, it's so cool, though, you know. I'll have and the last so, laugh in my father's yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, that's when I saw it. I think I saw it in uh, Chicago. I went right home after I saw it and I started talking to my brother. I'm like, oh my God. And then the boulder comes down. And it's right. It's just only five minutes in and already it's like a whole movie. I was like, oh, crazy. I mean, what about you guys? I mean, what did you, what, what was it? I mean, you guys are obviously hardcore Raiders fans. What, what oh. is it that got under your skin? Well, I think we were just talking about this before the, uh, the, the, the show. The way, the reason it's better than its sequel is I think it holds up. So for me, well, I've said this a number of times. It's shot in the 80s, but takes place in the 30s, so it never ages. It never gets like other 80s movies where they're kind of stuck in the 80s. Mm-hmm. It's timeless, right? And uh, it's one of those movies that it hits on all cylinders. I mean, from a filmmaking standpoint, you just look at what's wrong about this. Dated special effects, maybe a little. Stunts are amazing. The lead character is the greatest lead character of all time. The direction is damn near flawless. You know, the, the sets and the stunts and the places they went to shoot, Crystal Skull, to, to you know. It was practical. Are, take, like, are sweeping you away. Like your film, it had practical sets. Yeah, that's and I another appreciate thing that. Was, that. that. Your was film fun, is better yeah. than the Crystal Skull. Yeah, it <laughs> wow, is. Thanks, it is guys. better movie making. <laughs> it absolutely is. I you have know, no que- problem there saying was, that. There was this sense at the time, and I didn't know how to analyze things like a screenplay necessarily. Although obviously it would be sparking my curiosity, like because I remember asking my parents, like, how do these happen? Like Star Wars and Raiders, like how does that happen? You know, and they try their best to describe like what so what what is the Spielberg and the Lucas? Because I'm like, I this is what is happening to me. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, Raiders, there's, and I heard someone describe Raiders as a seamless movie. The transition to the next thing, the, the reason to go to the next thing, obviously it's got a, a giant thing that they're going after, but each little step along the way and each complication along the way leads into it without someone monologuing that we've got to go do the this. You, you know? mean Sigourney Weaver doesn't show up and tell us a plot point? <laughs> but think about it. I mean, you, you take, you take the, the structure that is Raiders yeah, and, you, and you bring it up to date and you apply it to any uh, you know, sort of modern action film. I mean, that structure is used in a lot 
of yeah. different movies now. But I mean, Raiders it still works, but a lot of the things that were used in Raiders won't work now, and they would they would be just lambasted about it. I mean, basically, after the cave scene, you go to the college scenes, and you have the sort of you know cute academic setup of of Indy's academic world and what he's going after and his relationship with Brody. But then it goes to the bureaucrat scene where the whole rest of the movie is described. Yeah, yeah. All, the exposition you've got. 12 to 14 minutes of exposition telling you exactly what's going to happen down to the last frame. Yeah. And it works. And it still <laughs> works, you know. And and now if you had that level of exposition in any movie, it'd be like, this is a joke. Mm. This is a big mm. rule that's Something broken. needs to explode. Yeah. yeah, somebody needs to stop talking and things need to explode and someone needs to get hit in the nuts with something. I don't, I don't mind that so much. It happened in Jurassic Park. Well, here's how we make dinosaurs. Oh, well, we like that, though. That the, we're the generation that can handle exposition. Yeah, that's still 20 years old. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of the movie, folks. Other I mean, people... they realize what that's saying. Like, here's what's going to happen. Enjoy the rest of it because yeah. it's all fun from here on out. <laughs> so normally we ask every guest what their favorite movie of all time is. <laughs> what could it be? It, I mean, it's it's Raiders. It's it's actually not Raiders. Really? It's Ghostbusters, right? right? Go hit us. And and the reason, and I'll and I'll give some explanation for that. And 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 I and I have a really sick of it. I have a really lame follow up. I went back to it. So Raiders, I love Raiders, but because Raiders has, I've been so overlapped with Raiders for thirty four years. It's 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 kind of gone beyond beyond. My favorite movie. I mean, I still love it. It's yeah. still it's still a part of me, you know. But 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 it's not worth discussing anymore, right? Well, I've no. said this about some <laughs> of my favorite movies. I'm like, it's so my favorite. That's not. Worth I I I it. I think I expressed this to you, you know, beforehand. But like, literally, I have I start to have like anxiety attacks when I start to think about like what my favorite movie is because my brain splinters. I like become like. Autistic, you know, and I'm like, I know, that no. explains Adam. Don't worry about yeah. it. You know, it's like I, I, I think about, you know, I, I think about all these movies that I love, and I think about, you know, the first, the, the, the when I saw Batman, and that really, you know, Chris Nolan's Batman, and then I saw the Lord of the Rings, and then I saw, you know, movies that, you know, like. Cinema Paradiso, or you know, or even like you know, True Lies, a, a night where I'm home alone by myself and I've had eleven martinis and I watch once and I'm crying, you know, <laughs> or you know, and uh, or you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it's like I've got so many movies that I I love that are in my brain that that strike me at different moments. I mean. Everything from Pan's Labyrinth to, uh, oh, you know, Star Wars, of course, yeah. you know. Uh, See, I, I have an adult movie. Like, maybe you can pick one of those. Like, for me, my favorite movie for all time is going to be Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it's going to be because it's timeless. It still works as an adult. Yeah. What that movie did brilliantly was aim for adults and trickle down to kids, not be a kid's movie that parents have to take kids to. Mm. Um, but as an adult, the best film I've seen in a long time is No Country for Old Men. Oh, that movie is just overwhelming. And... I love it as, a, as an adult, but it's not going to be my favorite movie of all time because right. it doesn't have the years mm-hmm. on it, you know. But that's uh, my adult movie. Do you have an adult movie then? Is it Pan's Labyrinth? Um, what's the What's the one? It was like I think it was called The Hours. Oh wow! Oh, the oh, uh, Meryl Streep, Nicole. With the nose. I have to say, a lot of people hated that movie. Well, I, I loved watch it. That now. Um, you How know, many martinis is that? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think that's a three martini <laughs> a night. Uh, you know. Um, I mean, I love that movie. Is it my favorite? I don't know. But is it an adult film? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's thing, there's things about like I don't know, natural born killers that I love. Yeah. Yes. You know, so it, you Rodney know. Dangerfield. I, as, 
as I was saying before the uh, before the the start of the show here, I just allow myself as an adult, as a mature movie loving adult, to just make a movie my favorite movie of all time of the day or of the week or whatever. Yeah. So true lies. You allow that for yourself? Yeah. Because, yes, I <laughs> do. Cute. I allow my. I allow I'm that. For, okay. With because this. I'm like, you know what? I understand where Raiders is in my love. I don't need to fucking honor that every day. It'll still be there when it's there. But we saw True Lies the other week, and I hadn't seen True Lies in a long it time. So I've always good. very much loved True Lies. It's yeah. a, one of the most unique James Cameron movies because it's not a sci-fi movie. It's not a period piece. It is the only one. That and Arnold acts his ass off. The, he he directs so Arnold good. so well. Uh, the comedy is is just knowing Arnold so well. And I was just like, this is my favorite movie ever. This is the greatest movie ever. Yeah. Like, and I just walked out and I'm like, that movie is the best. Ask me. Someone ask me what my favorite movie is. Two, two filmmakers that I can always kind of keep going back to uh, is David Lynch. Sure. Uh, well, that's, that's good to David hear. Um, that's good to hear. I'm and, sorry. And I Kubrick. Was... Yeah. Yeah, Kubrick. I mean, the, you know, I can keep kind of going back there. I mean, just recently this week, uh, my daughter, who's seven, had never seen Lord of the Rings. And I finally sat her down and exposed her to the first, you know, three uh, extended editions. Wow. Uh, you know, and got he her. He wanted to keep her quiet for a long yeah, time. Yeah, for a long time. goes the day. She's 16 and, now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And That's a uh, good one. that was a, that was a cool viewing experience for me, you know, because I tried to wear, watch Star Wars with her and it didn't work, and I tried uh, to watch uh, Raiders with her and it didn't work. Um, Did you try and watch Fire Walk with me with her? <laughs> but but Lord of the Rings was awesome. Well, Chris, you're you're very lucky because we're uh, you're here on a night where we're introducing a brand new segment. Oh, Paul doesn't really? even know yeah. it's called "What Is Your Favorite Tom Cruise Movie." Oh my god! <laughs> I wasn't aware we were doing. Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> Wait, thank you. We you gotta, don't have to. Answer. I agree with your theory, by the way. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. 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 Oh, that he's gonna walk away. Oh, he's gonna be. It's he's. It's gonna slip right Slide off. Slide right off him. Yeah. Oh no, I see. He's not walking away. No, no. I he's untouched. No, he's, he stays not, in. He's not, Tom it's not, it's not gonna. Not gonna touch him. My favorite is cocktail. <laughs> what do you think? Favorite <laughs> oh, Tom oh, oh, is sure, this a valid? Why not? Oh my God! Um, right, it's oh, so hard to yeah. pick. Right after he says that. he hates no, lists. I, no, no, no. I, 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 uh, I loved him in. Um, uh, wasn't uh, it? Wasn't it? Was it Magnolia? Was he? In yes, Magnolia? Oh, yeah, that was probably great. Magnolia. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. a good. That's a good favorite. And what is your favorite Bill Murray movie? Oh Jesus! <laughs> New segments abound. Oh. I'm just curious now. Oh my God! There's it, so it, many. It would have to be. Uh, I think Caddyshack is probably that's my a favorite. good answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I watched the I had a VHS tape of that and I just watched the. Hell the guy out of said that. he doesn't yeah. like making lists. We have, he's so good at answering questions. Well, let's get to Karen's we game. Have a She's pool. got a game. And a, game. a pond. A pond would be good for you. <laughs> we're gonna try. We're gonna try something here called uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark: Last Man Standing. Okay. Oh no! All right. Now here's how it works. I might Karen, choke up. Karen's gonna bring up a scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark and say a line from it. I then would have to say the next line. Then it goes back to her. After she reads the next line, Adam has to say the line okay, after that. And then each one. Then Karen. Then Chris. Then Karen. Then Bart. And uh, we'll see who gets a, If you're out, you're eliminated. And we see who the last man standing is knowing the script to Raiders of a Lost Ark. Do we know the we scene? Claim so we know the scene? Yeah. You can, uh, so can you say the line the characters after it, and we'll right? know the scene. Okay. All right. So let's start easy, I think. Okay. Hang on a second. Oh, oh okay. okay. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So we're going to start with... Um, I know the next line. He's laughing. I, I when they got a open point. the well of souls and they're peering down, peering down into it, and Sala, I'll say Sala's line. So Paul, I say, Indy, why does the floor move? And Indy says, uh, Yeah, that's oh. what I thought. Oh, he says, um, uh-huh. 
Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Not yet. Oh, because I thought, oh, right. Well, I don't he know. He goes, why did the floor move? And then Indy says to him. I'm out already. No. Oh. He says. Wait a second. Wait a second. So it goes down. Oh. Adam. Oh, wait, Indy, why does the floor move? Now Indy can't see the floor. Oh. Hand me the, yeah. Hand me the uh, torch. Hand me the torch. Okay. Oh, and then. Shit, and then. Oh, and I, I know. Now, I know Indy, Sala's next now, line. Now Indy then says snakes. Why does it have to be snakes? And, I know, and Sala's and line Sala is. And Sala says. Asps. Oh, very dangerous. You go first. Very nice. You go first. All right. Yeah. Now, now we're going to go on to a Marion and Indy scene. And I don't know exactly where they are when this happened because Paul didn't tell me to tell, tell you that. Sorry. But um, Marion, Marion, she says, hey, what happened? You don't look very happy. And Indiana says, show me the money. No, that's Bart, Tom Cruise. <laughs> Is I, I think we should go back to Chris. Is this on Fools. the ship? Bureaucratic fools. That's right. And then oh. that's perfect. And then Marion says, what did they say? And then Indy would say, Adam. Oh. They don't know where, what they've got there. That's good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, still right. you too. Still you too. And Paul, to see if you can <laughs> no, get I'm back out. in. I screwed you, up right can away. Can you even guess what Marion says next? Come on. Uh, I know what Let's you. go get a drink. I know, you, I know what Buy I have drink. here. Right. I know what I have here. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Am I allowed to come back in? I don't know. <laughs> come back in for a second because Chris is going to kill you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now let's move on to let me do something. All right. So this is when they are. This is when Sigourney Weaver goes back to her apartment. Oh, oh this is when they're at the school and now they're doing the exposition part. Oh. So Indiana says the Ark of the Covenant, the chest that the oh. Hebrews used to carry around the okay. Ten Commandments. And then the major Eaton says, Paul, are you back in? I can't remember. Oh, no, I thought I was. All out. right. Let's let go. Paul Adam. back in. Okay. Let, let Paul, Paul back, back in. Come on. Chris still going. New scene. The torch new, thing new is round. tough. All right. So, Paul, you would say as major Eaton. Give me the line again. The the Art of the Covenant, the chest that the Hebrews used to carry around the Ten Commandments. Oh. I don't know. See, why am I back I in? I don't know. You're not in. Adam. What's that coming out of it? No, not yet. Damn. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> the Ten Commandments? You mean the Ten Commandments? Oh! Yeah. Yeah, he yes, even accentuated the, the, the right, yeah, yeah. If you believe in that that's kind of a, stuff. That's our winner. Forget it. That's <laughs> our winner. Right, Chris yeah. is our damn, winner. We damn. can't top him. The actual Ten Commandments. Fire. I got, God. I got the utility lines in that one. <laughs> you know what? I mean, I knew that, me the torch. I knew you tough. guys would do okay, Paul. I, did, I was surprised that you went out so fast. Adam, you did well. I knew Chris would totally rock. Hey, I got one. But I am impressed <laughs> by Mr. Bart. He worked his way back in, and I'm pretty impressed. did just watch this last night. So... All right, well, we don't have time for Didn't what did you, you see this week. you guys go to Sunday school? Not enough time. Uh, yeah. uh, so let's jump right into uh, how we finish every show here on the Movie Showcast with Karen's uh, weekly celebration of the birthdays of those who make the movies. It's time for Karen's birthday. Take it away. All right. Now, because of our special guest and the theme of the show, I worked Ooh. extra hard on this one. And we're doing all Indiana Jones movies' birthdays this oh. week. Oh, Woo! So, deep reference, everybody. Here we go. Let's start off our week of Indiana Jones birthdays by wishing a very happy birthday to our favorite Nazi, Wolf Collar, who turns 75 <laughs> years old but can play anywhere from a tall German with blue eyes to a melting German with no eyes. He is famous for playing so Dietrich in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, and recently was cast as Dr. Hoffmanstall in Sherlock Holmes' Game of Shadows. Oh. And I found this interesting, that he appeared in one of my favorite movies, Bridget Jones, Edge of Reason. Really? As, <laughs> Edge as, of Reason? Edge of Reason, as a commentator. But I do not believe he was a Nazi in that movie. 
Wolf Collar. Yeah, playing. First of all, there was a Bridget Jones movie called Edge of Edge Reason. Of Re- yes. It's a sequel. Word of Call, Edge of Reason. And it's, uh, it's colon. It allows more colon. shit to pass through the body. Does that have a song that goes with it? Like, that sounds like a great, like, like an 80s movie would it have does. a song that describes the plot. Oh, the Edge of Reason. Like my Slayer. And it's sung by Wolf Collar. And Wolf Collar, by the way, my second favorite. I still got to go Ray Fiennes and Schindler's List, but then Wolf Collar. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, let's if wish I a very happy birthday to Russian... Russian Seth, who played Shatar Lal in Indiana Jones and the oh, Temple wow. of Doom. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> this because is these, deep, are, these are actual birthdays for this week, right? Yes. I had to dig deep. Dig deep. Wait, wait. And I had to go through the whole franchise <laughs> except for the one that does not exist, which will remain nameless. It exists. Everyone he turns 73, oh, but he can play to. anywhere Whatever. from Prime Minister to Prime Minister of India. This man has played an Indian Prime Minister so many times. He has played Jahal. Oh, I suck at this. Joa Nehru, the Prime Minister of India from 1947 to 1964, follow this, in four different productions. In Gandhi, he played the first Prime Minister of India. In some other movie called Bakrat Ek Kor, he played the same guy. Food for Ravens, again, he was the Prime Minister of India. And The Last Days of the Raj in 2007. As a matter of fact, He's like, the, he's like the guy who played Saddam played, in Hot Shots. Like he was in everything. There. He played the first Prime Minister of India longer than the actual Prime Minister of uh, India did. That's amazing. The Indian-born British actor said he is not interested in performing in any Bollywood movies, however, because in Bollywood, the actor would not know his dialogue when they begin shooting for the day, and the bigger the star he is, the less possibility he is of having learnt his dialogue at all. I just can't do that. Good for so, him. Who, well, you, sir, are no Sanjay Dutt. <laughs> I've never heard anyone talk shit about Bollywood, <laughs> and he seems to not put up with any of that. Yeah, he was the, uh, the the prime minister of Pankat Palace who greeted it. Oh, yes. Pankat Palace. You he worked for the Maharaja. Yes. Uh, seemed That's nice. Right. Oh, yeah. He but was he? he? was thuggy. Mm, All right, and thuggy. lastly, let's... We'll go to Bangkok Palace. <laughs> let's keep our deep reference <laughs> list going by wishing a very happy birthday to Julian Glover. Oh! Who turns 80, but can play anywhere from a bad guy to a full-on villain. His talent for accents and cold expressions made him an ideal choice for playing refined villains. Now, can you name the oh. other Harrison Ford starring film in which Julian played a bad guy? Oh, I know. I recuse myself. Uh, Do you uh, anybody new? Do you know? No, he was an Amish bad guy. Wasn't he an Amish thug? (laughs) (laughs) No. Paul, do you know? The Empire Strikes Back. Yes, he oh! played General Veers, oh. who was an Imperial military officer under the command of Darth Vader. So uh, he oh. commanded an at-at, I believe. Oh, yeah. Also at-at. in a Bond film, I think. I think he was a Yes, bo- a my Bond. next question. Do you know yeah. the Bond film he was in? Oh, nice. He Hold on. played Christasis. Christasis? I was going to say Spy Who Loved Me, but that doesn't sound like a Christasis in that movie. Nope, so he was the bad guy in yeah. this. Octopus was he was the nope. bad guy. The yeah, bad guy. he played another the the main villain wow. in and his character's name was Christasis. Moonraker was my Christastus. guess. Moonraker. And for your eyes only. That for been your been eyes, eyes only. Only, only for you. Only for you, Karen. <laughs> Thank you, David. Will you see what no one else can see. <laughs> now here's the only bummer. For your eyes only. Is I could not find anyone with a birthday this <laughs> week from these films having any singing online. So Lee, you know how Bart, you know how much I like to hear celebrities sing. It's true. People are always that always asking me, can you tell me? two things about yes. Karen and I say two things the only thing you need to know is that <laughs> she loves when celebrities sing I do so this week we're going to just break the rule about it being their birthday but we are going to listen a little bit to Kate Capshaw singing the beginning <gasps> of Temple of Doom there you go of yeah 
Are they still married? Yes, they are. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, trans. I like the translating it. I, I thought that's cool. so cool. And while her character sucked, <laughs> the concept of him hooking up with the showgirl. Anything goes in that casting session. But uh, but the idea of him hooking up with a showgirl is a really like a good, I mean she's a good showgirl that's a good concept it's a good idea that he'd be in Shanghai it's just unfortunate they fucking just had her scream the whole movie <laughs> that wraps it up the movie showcast everybody together we are the movie guys individually we are Lynch. you can all follow us on Twitter at the movie guys for daily jokes and links also on Facebook.com/slash the movie guys as well as iTunes Vimeo YouTube Funny or Die SoundCloud Vine Instagram whatever all that shit thanks to Chris. Strumpola. Oh. Strumpola. Yes. Hey. I gotta tell where can you. We, Thanks, where, guys. Where can so we follow great. you? Or, or, uh, Raidersguys. Uh, Raidersguys.com is probably the... And then if you want to check out the doc, it's RaidersDoc.com. Oh. Cool. And is there social media or anything to swipe? Uh, we're on Facebook. You know, uh, Raiders uh, Adaptation, greatest fan film ever made. Uh, there's uh, Raiders Guys Twitter account. Um, I'm online. Uh, that's always a good, you know, uh, place where Raiders news is posted. Um, yeah, pretty much. All right, cool. cool. Um, and uh, oh, also check out uh, digitalmindproductions.com. That's my production company, and I sh- I've never plugged the fact that I shoot and edit this thing every week. So, <laughs> hey, producer, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Karenvolpe.com. Schadenfreude.net. Sure. We all got websites. That's true. We never heard do that, but that's important. Now, before we before we fade yes. out here, my I got to say, as we sit under the Indiana Jones and the Movie Guys symbol. As uh, we got the Indiana Jones on the Movie Guys t-shirt. Made by my friend Chris Weissard devised that. As Paul and I once first bonded when we first met each other, probably back in 1996, when we both realized our favorite movie was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Thank you, sir. You have done such a service (laughs) to the greatest movie of all time. Thank you, sir. And to be reminded of childhood, watching you guys at the age we were when we were obsessed with it and obsessed with movies and asking what a Spielberg is. It's just wonderful. It's a a whole package of just love going on in this movie. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. And check out, thanks to Steve Schultz for his writing contributions to the show every week. thanks to Steve Schultz. And remember, you can find everything we're up to at themovieguys.net. Next week, we're back with a new batch of April films as we attempt to break our world record for most movies previewed Ooh. in one show. I've started Ooh. stretching already, you guys. Yeah, you're nice. gonna, I don't we'll see you then. <laughs>